Hi guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big clap, mate. Gather round villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, our Aston Villa podcast brought to your ears by underagaslitlamp.com. Firstly, big thank you to Craig for flying solo in my absence last week and delivering an excellent mini episode. So if you want to go back and listen to that, he covered the uh, interna- rather successful international break, in fact, and it's well worth a listen. But today we're back to full strength and we're here to mull over uh, the weekend's game at Wolves before looking ahead to the visit of Tottenham Hotspur this Saturday evening. I'm Andy and this week I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Yes, hello, hello Andy. Uh, great to be back with um, some 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 sturdy hands to guide my ramblings and uh, and 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 I, I need supervision. I've always been told that. <laughs> hello, Jens. Hello, listener. Dan here. It's good to be back. I, I decided to come back before Craig did Andy and me out of a job and just handled the podcast himself from this this week out. He did such a good job on his own. Yeah, I was I was wondering how he would manage to talk about Villa for half an hour on his own, but this is this is our man Craig. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is his speciality. I could talk about my breakfast cereal for, cereal for thirty minutes, and sometimes sometimes <laughs> do much to the joy of my wife, as I can tell you. <laughs> She's a lucky lady. What cereal are you eating at the moment, Craig? I'm actually on plain Cheerios at the moment. Yeah, oh. I, I changed from banana, br- uh, not banana bread. I, I changed from uh, uh, Sultana bran. <laughs> I mean, I, I can, I can go, I can go on this if you want. But uh, yeah, so plain old Cheerios, uh, no sugar. Um, just trying to get some oat-based goodness, but I don't really like oats as a general thing. So Cheerios kind of feels like a nice halfway house for me. I'll tell you what, if this was live, we could put a poll that would we rather talk about cereal or or the Wolves match and see <laughs> see what happens. Well, there could, there, there could be some developments developments there, Andy. Listener, there are, there are some interesting things bubbling away in the background. Uh, so uh, keep your ears... I was going to say peeled. That's incorrect. <laughs> keep your ears <laughs> to the ground and your eye, eyes peeled for any developments. Uh, uh, there could be some exciting things happening with the podcaster in month in the months and weeks let's to come hope so let's hope so and uh yeah more on that hopefully as we go on but we will start with some breaking news rather than the wolves game this has literally just broken before we started recording but it's wonderful news that our right back Matty Cash has signed a new five-year contract to Aston Villa this evening. All the speculation about Atletico Madrid and forty million, and you know the, the the things we've been discussing on here has all been put to bed now. And our right back is staying. How how are you feeling about it, gents? Craig first. Yeah, um, I was actually um, in in the supermarket when this news came through in our uh, Gather Around the Lamp group chat, and I, I I sent the quickest emoji that I could, which was actually a former WWE superstar Goldust doing like a little shimmer. Um, but anyway, um, really really pleased, really pleased. Um, Matty Cash has taken his game to the next level in in, in, the, in the last few recent weeks. Um, I think that 
tying him up to a new deal really speaks to his growth over the last um, less than two years he's been here. So he's already was on a long-term deal. Obviously, he's been rewarded with a, a pay bump, you would imagine, um, to reflect his uh, emergence as being a really genuine star for both Aston Villa and Poland. And it also po- possibly puts to bed, <laughs> I say possibly because I remember a certain other floppy, fl- floppy-haired Aston Villa starlet signing a new deal and being out the door a few months later. So hopefully puts to bed uh, some of the, uh, the the rumors linking Matty Cash with a move to Atletico Madrid. Um, so really surprising news and, and, and really delighted. Uh, how, how are you gentlemen feeling? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I was one of the voices on this pod saying if Atleti came in with 40 million, I'd snatch their hand off for it. And I, I probably still would. But to be fair to Cash, he's been our best player this season. I think above above and beyond anyone else, he's been consistent. He, he started to deliver the goods, both assists and goals. And he's stepped up on the international stage too. And uh, I mean, fair play to him. He's come out when when we needed someone to step up. He, he started to play better and he's earned that contract. And, and I think, you know, we'll probably get into some of the other stuff going on around the club. And, and we always talk about transfers going either right or wrong on this pod. But one thing the club do seem to be getting right is tying down our best players to long-term deals. And and that's, I think, a, a, an obvious plan so that we don't get held to ransom by players with just a year to go or two years to go. So I think, does this mean he sticks around Aston Villa for five years or however long the contract is? Probably not. But it makes his value go up and it means we've got him locked in for as long as he's useful for us. But, um, but yeah, well played, Matty. He's, he's fast becoming one of my favourite Villa players, even though I would still sell him for £40 million. Pounds. Yeah, I think we, we speculated um, last season, didn't we, about Matt Cash and what he had to do in order to to kind of go on to the next level. And we 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 all said that defensively he was fine, you know, pretty pretty ferocious defender, really. Very lively, very, very good uh, positionally and, and all the rest of it. It was more going forward and that was the bit we were a bit surprised about because as an ex-midfielder, you'd expect him to be more so along those lines of being, being good in the attacking areas. But he's found it hard, I think. But with... But just recently, and in fact, since the since the um, Atletico rumours in January, um, he has gone on to another level in terms of his attacking game. And, you know, he's finally kind of come to the party in that respect. I mean, he scored a great goal against Everton early in the season, but it was kind of a bit of a, um, you know, one, one of those uh, uh, sort of one-offs really. And then just of late, he's looked really dangerous in the final third and and... It's just it's it's just fantastic that actually you know he hasn't come good just as just as he leaves through the door he's 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 kind of he's come good and and now his colours to the mass which I'm I'm really pleased about and I'm I I just think it's probably the one position yeah probably the one position in the team which is absolutely sorted now in terms of you know the first choice probably Dina as well to be fair on the other side but. Most of the other positions are perhaps up for grabs. Certainly, Matt, Matty Cash. I don't think there's the, the, there's there's zero chance of him being replaced in the summer anyway. So, um, in the way that t- uh, Matt Target was, so it's it's great news. I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased with it. Um, he's a he's a he's a bit of a he's a bit of a cult hero, I think, at, at Villa Park. Absolutely, he is, I, and I think that this is this is interesting. Um, Daniel, you talked a moment ago about tying up our best players to long-term deals. Now it's up to for, up for debate whether or not Douglas Louise is one of our best players uh, or not. I think he, he might be, others might disagree. But um, 
Stephen Gerrard says something interesting when questioned, I think, by Ashley Priest at the Birmingham Mail in his uh, press conference pre-Wolves. He said, uh, Gerrard, that is, that they weren't really looking at individual contracts <laughs> when asked about Douglas Luiz. <laughs> and then, um, I, I don't know, how do I don't want to call Gerrard a liar. <laughs> And certainly not to his face either. I mean, <laughs> no. I think I think he was ta- he was very much talking about Douglas Louise, wasn't he? With that, and I think he did say that that he did mention that there are a couple close to signing new deals, but obviously Douglas Louise isn't one of them. And uh, you know that seems more like um, Dougie's choice as as much as Aston Villa's choice, really. So. Um, Gerard does have a good soundbite in him, though, doesn't he? I know we'll come on to our kind of slipper-sold players soon enough and how they couldn't stay on their feet, but I enjoyed him after the game saying how how he's not one to comment on players slipping at vital moments. And he's it's something I didn't expect from Stephen, is, like, is that he'd have that kind of catchy soundbite in him. But more than once this season, he's come out with a line that's cleverly di- deflected attention away, and, and this is another yeah, one. Well, I mean, Scousers are, do often talk about their, their humour, don't they? <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's obviously got that gene in him. But um, we'll, it's great news anyway, and, and obviously we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking more about Matt Cash over the next weeks and months, but we must talk about the Wolves match, and, and Stephen Gerrard, welcome back. You know what must have been some some really buoyant international stars as he led his team to to Molyneux to face Wolverhampton Wanderers in the localish derby of the Birmingham and Black Country. Uh, Luca Dean regained his place after injury, um, and there was also somewhat surprising inclusions for Morgan Sanson and Leon Bailey, who came in for Douglas Louise and Emmy Buendia respectively. Danny Ings um, missed a trip after becoming a father the night before. So huge congratulations to the Ings family on, on their new addition um, from everyone here. The reaction on, on social media before the game was was pretty positive to the changes. Um, but how did you, you see it in terms of, obviously, the personnel and also the, the, the tweak to the system? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have nice things to say about this, Andy. I was... Pleased to see that he dropped the two number 10s because that had failed miserably against Arsenal, although Buendia kind of deserves to start, I think, which is a really difficult conundrum for the manager. Um, I would also say that um, that Bailey in Ferrings up front was something that I was interested in seeing as well. Um, <laughs> less interested in seeing it now, but I was interested at the time. But the 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 main, the main thing which really... Um, blows my mind is what was Gerard thinking playing McGinn at number six and just how just how difficult it is to understand that choice um John McGinn starred for Scotland as we we as I discussed in my little <laughs> bonus show last week I'm gonna see as we discussed I discussed me um in the bonus <laughs> show last week and um he's kind of starring as this uh this this almost number 10, this all-action goal-scoring forward eight and a half, if you like. And Gerard says, oh yeah, John, I've got something for you. Come and play in defensive midfield for me. And I'm going to leave Douglas Louise and Tim Orobunum on the bench, uh, two, two players you would think who are more comfortable in that position. And also you've got Callum Chambers there available as well. So for me, it was quite curious. And obviously the um, 
the the villa midfield parted like the like the uh the red sea and uh we're, we're just really open so obviously the system again um there's 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 some major major question marks and i think it was it's difficult to see what gerard was thinking with that midfield three how we would have any kind of protection for the back four yeah I, i'm i'm similar boat to craig here i kind of Disappointed to see Bailey start because even though I thought he'd play as a striker too, he ended up getting caught between a 10 and between a striker and, and not really doing either effectively. And and I kind of, he was an odd decision over Buendia, who I don't think has done anything wrong to, to not justify his place. But it, it's just, we're almost going back to the dark days of playing players outside of position. We're playing a, an attacking central midfielder as a defensive midfielder, and we're playing a left winger as a striker come number 10. And it, it just doesn't feel particularly joined up to me. Samson, I thought, deserved to start. And I think clearly the, the message for Gerard was to press high. And I think Villa play, pressed very effectively the first kind of five, 10 minutes. And I think Samson's numbers backed up that he was, he put the most pressures anywhere on the pitch. But problem is all your tactical plans go out the window when you can see the stupid go after a few minutes so it's it's impossible to draw much from this one i think the only thing i took away with any certainty is that luca dean decided to go off when he realized he was wearing white shorts and and wouldn't be able to see through the rest of the match but but the rest of it felt a little bit disjointed from gerard and it's i don't know if it's a case of he doesn't like the personnel he's got in the squad or he doesn't know what to do with them but it's all starting to feel a little bit deja vu to those days of Dino kind of juggling players out of position and doing things a, a bit bit stupid and a bit on the fly. And I, I would have thought by now that Gerard had a better picture of what he wants to do. And, and this is another one of those games that made me wonder just what the plan is because it, it doesn't seem particularly coherent at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there may have been... Um, I mean, I certainly think the Bailey... The fact that Bailey started was probably to do with, with, with Danny Ings, wasn't it? And Danny Ings would have started the game. But they wanted to um, obviously give him the day off, and uh, but but keep the same system rather than than going back to to Buendia. So um, that's why Bailey started, and 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 probably fair enough. You know, it's he's got to start at some point, and you've got to try and get a tune out of these guys and get them up to fitness, haven't you? He'd had a reasonable, reasonably successful uh, couple of games, I think, with with Jamaica. So he was he was probably he's probably reasonably match sharp as well. So it made sense. I don't know about Morgan Sanson. I. I don't. I still don't see really where he fits in. You know, for me, he would have been the man to to play as the number six. But he's obviously not really got that in his in his locker. I'm wait, still waiting to see what exactly what he has got in his locker. To be honest, and I mean, not literally. Did I'm you not interested? <laughs> I, I thought. Um, I mean, I thought just on Sanson. I thought he was Villa's best midfielder on uh, Saturday. I mean, it, low bar at the three of them, but <laughs> I think he was. Um, Spatially, he was good. He, good pressures, always tidy on the ball. He seems to be quite uh, press resistant, unlike some of the other players. And he doesn't seem as wasteful in possession. I don't have the stats in front of me, but to me, it looked like he had a, a solid game, if nothing else. I don't think he was certainly the worst of the three for me. But maybe I, maybe I saw you know something different to to you guys. No, I'd agree with you, though, Craig. I thought he was—he's the better midfielder. I just—I don't know where he fits in this midfield. He's not going to displace McGinn. He's not going to displace Ramsey. He's not a six in my mind. I mean, the bigger worry for me is Bailey. I don't know when we start ringing the the alarm bells on him, but it's not looking like smart business at the moment, despite all of our initial excitement and. 
I don't know how often a player can be injured, have a good international break, we get excited about him coming back and then get a bump back down to earth again. But it just feels like we're going through the same cycle over and over again with Leon. And right now it feels like, what, 30 million down the toilet? I mean, he's not a bad player overnight, but I I just don't see how he fits in. He's not a striker. He's not a 10. We don't play wingers. It's it's starting to look, look... very much like a square peg in a round hole for us. Yeah, possibly is. And that that's perhaps come about more because of the change of manager as much as anything. It doesn't mean it was it was a bad signing at the time, you know. And obviously things have happened, haven't they, with it, with his his own fitness and various things, I suppose. And he's, he's, he's ended up kind of not really fitting in, similar to Bertrand Traore. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point there, Andy. I think if we were still had Dean Smith in charge and we still were playing at four three three, and uh, you know Bailey was playing as part of that system, I think that that would have been a different a different thing. But in this new Gerrard system, where the, at the moment there's a midfield diamond, sometimes there's two number tens. Certainly, there's never any out and out wingers. What do you do with? Leon Bailey, what do you do with a Bertrand Traore? Obviously, your mate Trez has gone, Daniel. Uh, Not permanently. Is he still hanging on? <laughs> he's hanging on. My beautiful baby boy also <laughs> has, has been jettisoned and he's getting no love at Everton, Frank Lampard. So, you know, no wonder you're going down, Frank. You're not using your best player. So <laughs> it is... And this 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 speaks actually to a more structural structural issue at Aston Villa in terms of when you change managers, football clubs that are set up properly, like a Brentford, for example. Brentford, one of the best-run clubs in the English football pyramid, fact. When they transition from one manager to another, they don't have to worry about having stockpiled players that are no longer useful because they keep a manager who will implement a similar playing style. Not exactly an identical formation, but a similar playing style. So they're never going to be caught in that kind of position. Whereas Aston Villa, the Aston Villa Brain Trust in Perslow have decided to go from a manager in Dean Smith who played with wingers, played in a 4-4-3 probably 95% of the time, except when he was playing 3-5 poo for Andy. But 95% of the time, Dean Smith was playing a 4-3-3 and Dean Smith had bought wingers to play in this system. Aston Villa had invested lots of money in wingers to play in this system. Very good wingers. When you choose, as Aston Villa did choose, to bring in a manager who plays with no wingers, immediately you have a disconnect. And that is surely, if you're Christian Perslow, you have to see that coming, no? It's, I think you're bang on there, Craig. I think it's the most alarming thing about this season is we've got a director of football, supposedly, for a reason. And, and the idea is then you don't have a manager calling all the shots so that you have to tear it up every time you sack a manager and sign a whole new squad. But the problem is, I mean, we brought Langer in to, to find young talent in Europe and instead we're buying 30-year-old, 29-year-old established players. And... It was part of the problem bringing Gerard in as well, as we've torn up this whole model that we spent the last, what, two, three years building towards, improving youngsters, finding talent and improving it. And we've torn it all up for a manager who isn't really delivering just yet. And 
we we've all kind of alluded to it on this pod at various times before. It's it's worrying to know how much of this is structural in terms of they don't trust Langer or the scouts or whoever else they've got, and how much of it is Perslow's ego and him getting his man at any cost and giving his man everything that he wants. And you know what? If it works, none of us will complain. It's inspired. Gerard gets us great players, and it works. But but if it doesn't, then it saddles us with a bunch of players on hefty contracts that aren't going to work for us. And I mean, the last time that happened was under Martin O'Neill, where he had full control to do what he wanted. And it took us years to get over some of the bad decisions he made. I just, I hope we're not sleepwalking to a similar situation with Gerard. I mean, fair enough, Coutinho is slightly better than Sean Maloney, but it's a similar kind of setup. I don't know, you could have had Sean Maloney the last three games, and I'm not sure it would have made any difference. But, um, no, I don't mean that. I'm, I'll take that back. <laughs> but, um, you know, onto, onto the game and obviously Villa started pretty well, you know, on the front foot and, and, and pressing reasonably high as, as as we alluded to. But it wasn't long before that the familiar defensive frailties would, would be our undoing. Uh, some weak play from McGinn in the midfield uh, turned over the ball and Wolves piled into the penalty area and after two efforts were were blocked, the ball fell to Johnny who slammed the ball past Martinez. Another comedy of errors as, as Villa at a time when it, it looked like we had um, had started as the uh, the better team and this, this level of sh- shambolic defending has now become kind of ing- an ingrained characteristic of this Villa team over the past year. Um, after being defensive misers for most of last season, um, it needs... It needs sorting, but but how do we get back to to being so solid like we were? Shambolic's the right word for it, Andy. It was an absolute horror show, and I, I really don't want to dissect it because we've all lived through it enough. But you're right in that it's become a characteristic of this team. It's become we're almost like Leicester, where every time they concede the corner, they know they're going to concede from it. It's it's become this psychological thing that no matter how well we start, we just turn to dust the second we're we're up against any kind of opposition threat and I honestly don't know how we fix it it feels like a job for sports psychologists or a a job for someone above my pay grade to work out because it's not a talent thing we know we've got great defenders I mean as as Craig so dutifully did over the international break our, our players are doing great on the international level so why are they not recreating this for Villa and it's it's something either in the way they're training or the way they're being prepared for games um, I don't want it to be a broken record, but I said a few times we lost a few old heads from from the back room this this summer in uh, in O'Kelly and 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 John Terry and and we lost some some good voices and and it does make you wonder how important they were to to creating that mentality that clean sheets are more important than anything else because. I mean, fair enough, the Consa slip is body position, but the John McGinn slip, he's taken a gamble there that he shouldn't be taking, in my opinion. And I don't think last season he'd have done that because we were all about keeping it tight and and keeping the clean sheet intact. So it's we talked about it when when Dino kind of was on the five-game losing streak. It's, it's about going back to basics. Let's try and not lose, first of all, and then see how the rest of the game goes rather than just handing it on a plate within the first 15 minutes plate silver platter gift wrapped i mean it was like an episode of beatles about um, <laughs> y- you're waiting for the the candid cameras i mean 
Uh, do you remember those uh, those videos? If any listener that's not old enough to remember videos, I'm scarcely old enough to remember videos. By the way, listener, I mean <laughs> I only remember them because I'm you know because I'm really young anyway. But just before DVDs, which I also scarcely remember, there were videos, and there used to be a chap that used to be quite famous called Danny Baker. And he had these uh, video series would come out every Christmas called Danny Baker's Own Goals and Gaffs. And I think you could just make a whole compilation of Villa goals conceded against Wolves this season. <laughs> and, and, and he can he could re- reboot the whole franchise, Danny Baker, based on this absolute nonsense. Individual errors in isolation, you accept here or there, I think. Fair enough. Just kind of cost of business, if you like. There are going to be occasions where players make mistakes and those mistakes are going to lead to goals. When you're getting the kind of slapstick... Three Stooges, Lauren and Hardy. I'm going even further back now. When you get when you're getting this kind of real slapstick stuff, it has to really fall on the governance of the team, aka the manager of the team. John McGinn gave away that first goal because John McGinn was doing what John McGinn does, which is John McGinn tries risky things. And trying those risky things is lovely when you're playing as a number 10 for Scotland. Because if you lose it when you're kind of up the pitch, you have lots of space to and, and teammates behind you to recover that mistake. But John McGinn didn't get the memo that he was playing as a defensive midfielder for Aston Villa. And he's trying to do the same stuff that he does when he's playing further up the pitch. Unfortunately, there's no marvellous Nkamba behind him. There's no Douglas Louise behind him. It's just the Villa back line exposed. And ultimately, if you know that John McGinn doesn't have the skill set to play as a number six, which I'm assuming that Steven Gerrard does know this. If you have Callum Chambers that can play there, if you have Douglas Louise that can play there, if you have a young man in Tim Orogbunum who can play there, and you choose to play none of those people there and put John McGinn there who does not have the skill set for the position, it just begs the question, is this like a deliberate thing? You know, sometimes like Mourinho would do that. Like if he wanted a new player and... Rather than naming seven subs, he'd name like five. And then he'd <laughs> moan in the media afterwards, ah, well, I've not got enough players, you know, to fill the squad. I need, I need a new signing. It's almost like Gerard is is making this big public case. And I don't I don't know that this is this is I'm I'm just trying to understand it, because to me it's so unreasonable that he would play John McGinn in the number six role. Why would you play a player there that you know can't play there and then be surprised when it's an absolute it's an absolute dog's dinner? And why, again, didn't he change it? After he saw what was going wrong, he waits until the 70th minute, after the 70th minute, to make his first change other than the enforced one with Luca Dean. I don't understand it. Please, someone explain to me why this is happening. It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't make sense. And, and I think you make, you make a reasonable point. I, I think part of, you know, unless you've got you know, a, a a certain tactical plan, master plan, if you like, as to why you would do this. I mean, it it, it harks back to, you talked about Mourinho, but it, to me it harks back to Pep Guardiola in the Champions League final, you know, against Chelsea, leaving out Fernandinho, you know, and, and Rodri and, and not playing a defensive midfielder, you know, and they lose the game and he obviously had some, something in mind, some reason for doing it, but it just didn't work. Um, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's that kind of overthinking almost. And that's what's getting us into trouble. It's like the the the, the issue we had with the fullbacks, you know, playing playing so high up the field 
you know, b- before and and you know, midfielders filling in at fullbacks when we were when we were defending a transition, and it, it just it's 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 overthinking tactics when you haven't really got the um, like Pep Guardiola can do it because he's you know he's got the players to be able to to win games anyway. But at Villa, we haven't got that luxury. We haven't got the 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 depth to be able to to just to just try stuff. You know, Douglas Louise, as far as we know, was available. He was on the bench. You know, Tim Rugbenham was was there, like you say, in Chambers. And you know, you've got these these guys that can can slot in and do a job. And then yeah, he's 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 trying something, and it's almost like he was maybe he was he he did it so he could get Sanson in the team. But even that's you know, fair enough. He he might have had a reasonable game, but he's not played for. It's not like he's been banging the door down to play, is it? You know, it's 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 strange. It's really strange. I, I think there was a tactical ploy there in in that if he pushed up on the two two Wolves central midfielders, we could we could stop them from bringing it out the back, especially as they play a back three. But it's a high risk strategy, as you say, Andy. If if you're Man City, it's one thing, but if you're Villa and and it's Morgan Samson, Jacob Ramsey, and John McGinn, it's it's not quite the same. And and I think we only had half a tactical plan anyway, because even when we won the ball high, we didn't seem to have an idea of what to do with it and how to break walls down. So I, I think. You know, fair enough if he's trying something different, but as Craig mentioned, don't leave it till the 70th minute to then change it up again when it's clearly not working. And yeah, I think your Man City analogy is a good one. Why overthink it when we're in a stage of the season where we probably don't need to be overthinking things, just maybe getting a bit of confidence and a few more points on the board? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the problem was that after a good start, Villa fell apart after after the goal and, and it was more bad news, as we alluded to, as Luca Dean had to go off with a, with a stomach upset. And his replacement, Ashley Young, piled on the agony um, as his wayward header found Martinez his top bins uh, to make it 2-0. Felt a bit harsh on Ashley Young, who'd been, uh, well, I think anyway, has been a, a squalid, solid uh, squad man all season and probably probably the, the pick of the summer signings, really, which, which you know, doesn't doesn't bode well for Johan Langer. Um but it was it was symptomatic of of another match where Villa had have been slow to arrive um, at the match really and and allowed their opponents a head start. And Stephen Gerrard made exactly this point after the match, which which kind of could have really been cut and pasted from a number of games since he took over. You know, he seems to be highlighting a disconnect between what he's asking of the team and what they're delivering. You know, so so what do you think is going wrong? Is it is it a squad issue or is it or is it squarely down to the manager? I think it's squarely down to the manager, actually. I think that there are deficiencies and imperfections in the Aston Villa squad. Um, but I think if you look at the Wolves team that lined up against Aston Villa, how many of those Wolves players would any of you steal away? Oh, well, I don't know. Not the ones that were, or the, probably the ones that weren't playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you might like the look of a Ruben Neves, maybe Raul Jimenez. You, you, uh, Neto, I like as well. He's just coming back from injury. Yeah. But I genuinely, and this isn't me, this isn't me uh, crapping on Wolves or anything like that. No, no problem with Wolves. Um, no local rivalry, really. They're not really our local rivals. You know, I don't have a problem with Wolves whatsoever. There's not a player in Wolves' starting 11. Genuinely, now that I would that I would say, mm, I think I'd prefer him to the player that we have, or the players that we have available. 
Not one. So it has to be down to the manager because I think that player for player, our, our team that we had out isn't just better than what Wolves had out. It was substantially better. Coutinho, just on his own, far better than than anything that Wolves have got. John McGinn, probably, you know, when played in his correct position, probably far better than anything that Wolves have got. I can go on and on. But uh, unfortunately, the Wolves team were better than us and they were better than us, not because they had better players, but because they were coached better, because they were managed better and because they had a system which they stuck to and a system which works for them and a system which accentuates the positives of their playing staff and hides the weaknesses. Where Steven Gerrard seems to be doing it in reverse at the moment in time, he seems to be absolutely hell-bent on playing his kind of formation come what may, even though he doesn't seem to have the personnel available to to make it work right now. And I'm all for, by the way, I'm, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'm all for Steven Gerrard ripping it up getting rid of everyone if you want to get rid of everyone. Start again, give him the opportunity to, to build with his own players in the closed season, if that's what they want to do. But until then, Gerard has a responsibility to try and get the best out of the, the players that he has at his disposal right now. Not the, not the players he's going to have in August, not the players he's going to have in two years, the players he has that play for Aston Villa today. And he just isn't doing it. And it, just I'm getting progressively more annoyed because there's no need for us to be losing these games like this with these soft goals and week after week. And as you said, Andy, it, it just it's that you can just copy and paste his interviews at this point. So yeah, Stephen, we understand that the players that you have don't work in the system that you want to play. We get it. We all understand. We hear you. I'm with you. Change the players if you want to change the players. But until you can change the players, it must be better than this. Full stop for me. Yeah, I think Craig's been a little harsh on Wolves there. I think Moutinho and Neves would walk into my Villa team all day long. I think they're two of the best defensive midfielders in the league and, and we're clearly lacking a defensive midfielder who can put his foot on the ball and pass it. Um, but he's bang on that the Wolves have got a structure. They've got a way of playing. They changed their manager. They stuck with the same structure. And do you know what they also did in January? They sold a player in a position where they had depth so they didn't leave themselves short. And, and I know Andy has a soft spot for Ashley Young, as we all do. But when, when your first choice left back goes off after 20 odd minutes, it would be nice to turn to a second choice left back who, who is, you know, not too much of a drop down. But unfortunately, that second choice left back is playing for Newcastle and, and earning us no money at the moment. And it's... You know, Ashley Young in phases this year has been good. He's worked hard. He's puffed out his chest. He's done all the body language. I've not really seen him have a great game for Villa. He, he's had a few sixes, the odd seven out of ten. I've not seen him take a game by the scruff of the neck. And it's, he's not going to as a 37-year-old left back. It's just not what we signed him to do. But he's having way more minutes than I think he or, or any Villa fan perhaps thought he would at the start of the season. And, and that's kind of criminal when you've got a you know, not a top draw left back, but a decent left back on loan at arrival. But yeah, I mean, Steven Gerrard worries me. He really do, does worry me. It's it's that definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. He keeps putting out the team in the same way. He's he's clearly telling them something before the match that isn't working. He's preparing them in the wrong way. He's 
the tactical stuff isn't working or maybe the video room stuff that everyone talks about is so important. Maybe they're just watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit rather than footage of themselves. I don't know. But whatever he's doing isn't working. And I, and I think we can say it's the manager now because we changed manager midway through the season because we didn't like what, what the previous manager was getting out of this group of players. And, you know, I'm a Dino apologist, but I don't think Gerard has done anything more than, than hit par, really. If that, he's probably below par when you add Coutinho into the mix. So it worries me that you can't get a tune out of these players. And it worries me that we're going to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and buy him a whole new squad over the summer to, to play this style of football that clearly isn't working, even against teams who we should be beating on paper kind of every week. So it really does worry me. I'm kind of, you know, I'd love Gerard to do well. I'd, I'd love the idea of this high-pressing, attractive football with two tens. It's just not working. And at some point, the mark of a good manager is to say, like, do you know what? It's not working. I'll try something different. And he's just not done that. Or, or maybe he did do it. He did it with the diamond and it worked for a few weeks. But... He seems to have just fallen back into bad habits again. And and given the amount of backroom staff around him, the, the bench looks pretty crammed at times. It, it worries me there's not a voice in his ear telling him that, that maybe this isn't an idea, a, a good idea. I mean, so they just power four four two for a week or something. Let's get let's get the most out of these players. Let's let's put a formation out that will win a game, not try and bludgeon this system over the players' heads until they actually get it, because it's it's clearly not working. And I've made myself grumpy, so I'll stop now. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes comes down to the midfield. The midfield just isn't functioning in the way that it, that he wants it to, is it? And that's that's part of the problem. And maybe that will improve if if Nakamba can get back up to um, up to speed before the end of the season. Maybe maybe that we'll see we'll see a bit of an improvement like we did um, at the start when he first came in um, when Nakamba was 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 excellent in that position. Maybe um, I'm going to throw another thing in there, and you know, again, you know, this is, this is. Um, I, I didn't think I'd still be talking about this, but I do. I do still think there's a there's a a big jack shaped hole in that team, and I think it's going to take another another transfer window to get rid of that. Andy, we, we've got Philip Coutinho. <laughs> no, but we have yes, but but Philip Coutinho does not do the things that 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 Jack Grealish does. Jack Grealish. You have to understand, you know, if we remember back, he he absolutely carried that team. He raised the level of of of, of a number of players around him. You know, they they raised their level, but they also knew that it was okay because they had Jack. You know, there was that there was that kind of reliance on him, that that kind of and even the manager, Dean Smith, you know, you could argue that that he had that reliance on him as well, because when he wasn't there, it all fell apart, didn't it? And now we're still in a position where we have not yet, and it's happening slowly, but we have not yet evolved the team enough to the point, as as I've said before, to when where he's he's never been part of that team. He's still been part of that team to a large extent. And I think changing the manager helps, obviously bringing in players, uh, new players, like Dinia and Coutinho, as, as you know, will help that. But Coutinho doesn't do. He's he's a better player than Jack Grealish. I I grant you that. But he 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 doesn't do for for the team what the things that Jack Grealish used to do, both defensively and in in the in an attacking sense. You know, we've talked about it so often that, that those extra little bits that he used to do. Those first of all, winding up the opposition, winning all those free kicks. 
closing out games. You know, that all those sort of dark art, sort of dirty elements of the game that Jack brought as well, as, as well as the, you know, the class on the ball and the, the, the assists and the goals and things. But, you know, he he's, I think they still miss him. I th- you know, I genuinely do. And, and you know, I, I, I didn't think I'd still be talking about this in, in April, but I think it's I think it's evident. I think it has to go this summer though. They have to they have to make sure. And if that means, you know, certain players who who perhaps have relied on Jack in the past leaving the club, then then so be it. I think it was interesting to see I, I take I take your point on board, Andy, and I, I will I will retort with this. I think it was interesting to see Watkins playing for England. I, I mentioned this briefly in my uh, one man show last week. <laughs> that um, <laughs> That Watkins looked completely different again playing with England with uh, Jack Grealish. Another couple of sitters Watkins missed, by the way. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. I would say that um, that that yes, Coutinho certainly doesn't carry the ball like Jack Grealish does because Coutinho will carry the ball, but Jack Grealish would would you know if he was an NFL player, you know he'd he'd probably be top of the the yards. Am I saying that right? No. <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> the NFL guys, you know, where they run the wrong people <laughs> They get the rut, the yards. Anyway, he, 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 he this is where we need Mark Duobi. This is, yeah. I'm, I, I should know better. I've lived here for long enough. I don't. Anyway, yeah, he was really good at carrying the ball, really good at winning fouls. But in terms of the quality and the incisive passing, Philip Coutinho is just kind of on a different kind of plane. And Philip Coutinho is is actually wasted probably with playing with these players. I imagine he sometimes looks at some of the balls that he receives and some of the passes <laughs> that he gives and watch watching the ball bounce off some of his teammates. <laughs> I, I bet he I bet he sometimes thinks to himself on afternoons like Saturday, where's it all gone wrong here? How did I end up in Wolverhampton playing into a, a you know a, a striker that, that that can't can't trap a bag of cement on occasion and is 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 smashing one on ones wide? Yeah, that's a little bit harsh, but you know, you know, just from Coutinho's perspective, he's 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 kind of gone from the penthouse to an, the outhouse a little bit. It's really interesting to think about Villa as 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 a team here because even with Jack Grealish, as much as he helps, the structure here is still wrong. The midfield structure is still wrong. The lineup is still wrong. So even with Jack Grealish, I still 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 think we do concede these stupid goals that we've been conceding. Because I think the structure's wrong, but we'll never know. I mean, what a dream it would have been to see Coutinho and Grealish play together, Andy. That could have been that could have been like a world uh, a world. We could we could have been champions of the world. We'd have still lost well, our Wolves game with Coutinho and <laughs> yeah. Grealish. Like I swear to you, we will do. It's to, to kind of jump into Andy's shoes a little bit here. I get the point about Grealish, but. The problem with Grealish is that we didn't have, as Craig says, the structure around him to to have a team that thrived when Grealish wasn't the one-man team. And we haven't replaced that. We haven't bought the players we needed in the positions we needed. Instead, we've gone out and brought wingers, attacking midfielders and strikers we arguably didn't need. And we've just turned to another midfielder to solve all our problems, And except he's in the dugout leading the team not particularly well. And we seem to be putting all our hopes that Gerard will carry this this ragtag bunch through at times. And it's, yeah, I, I mean, Coutinho and Grealish would have been lip smacking, but so is Buendia and Coutinho and Bailey and Coutinho. And it's, if you you don't have a way of playing football and, and players who enjoy playing that way, it's never going to work. You could have all the players you want in the, in the world, but, but I do love that we're still mentioning Grealish after we all said nine months ago that he was dead to us and would never mention him <laughs> on this pod again. <laughs> I just think, 
I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but I think I've alluded to this on this podcast before, but you sign players that you think if they were joining any other club, they would just be absolute dynamite. If 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 Buendia had gone to Arsenal, he'd be he'd be absolutely brilliant. Danny Ings, if he'd gone to Spurs, he'd he'd be, you know, probably playing up front with Kane and banging in goals, maybe. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But when they come to Villa, it's almost like there's it's like this body more heath is this talent drain where they they step in, you know, all full of life and ambition. And within within weeks, they just they they're no better than anyone else we've ever had. And it's it just feels like you know, <laughs> we, we we have this kind of record, particularly when we sign players. Like when we make big signings, you know, they never pay off. Rarely, you know, do you ever get, you know, sign a real big signing where you think this is it, this is this is great, and and they go and they go and produce the same form that they have or better than they, you know, and show, you know, why we wanted them in the first place. It's always hard work. I think it is the vast majority of the time, but as you're, you're right, Andy. I mean, we've turned Philip Coutinho into Sean Maloney in a matter of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon it's the behind the, the scenes stuff? Because Body More Heath is state of the art, right? We've got good coaching staff. Do you think it's maybe, I don't know, like these player liaison officers that help players settle? Do you think it's the area players don't like living? Is it the diet? Do we need new chefs? Does Craig need to go and be a cereal specialist for Villa so that players are eating Cheetos or whatever else? It's, maybe it's the ketchup's fault again. It goes back to Gerard banning the ketchup. Maybe we've got too much ketchup on the tables. But there's there's something, I think you're right, Andy, there's something not quite right that we, we just managed to turn great players into donkeys. And they are good players. It's not just bad scouting. They're good players. Something is happening at Bodymore. But it can work. It can work in reverse as well. You sometimes we sign a player, you know, who who we think is ordinary or a young player, and and they and, and we're able to develop them, and they do really well, and then they they bugger off to Man City normally. <laughs> well, well, and just to that point, Andy, one player that I thought was absolutely ordinary was uh, Callum Chambers, and he starred. For Villa, and he's he's found himself absolutely banished to the bench, yeah. and I can't really quite work out why. I mean, it's I don't I don't I don't I don't I'm I'm going to back the manager honestly. I am until it becomes impossible, but I just can't understand some of these decisions. I mean, what the hell did did Callum Chambers do wrong? And didn't Gerard say that he was going to let players keep their positions based on form? And and Conser hasn't played well for weeks now, whereas Chambers was banging in you know, top corner shots and Beckenbauer-like passes. It's, I don't know what, it just creates it, it, it. You know, it's the Gerard thing, kind of, if you're going to say something, stick by it. And it must be frustrating for a player to be like, well, I've done everything I can, yet Conser goes straight back in, even though he's like a dog on lino, kind of, you know, tracking back towards his own goal. It's, I don't know. It's frustrating at the moment to be a Villa fan. It is frustrating. It is frustrating. But we're having a moan fairness, this week, aren't we? A proper moan. Three old men <laughs> complaining about things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, football's meant to be fun. But Villa pressed pressed on in the second half as as Wolves seemingly um, were happy to soak up the pressure and keep Villa honest on the counter attack. Ollie Watkins looked to be Villa's best chance of success as the England man missed two glorious one on one opportunities to get Villa back in the game. Uh, once he did score um, from the penalty spot, of course, it was it was too late and, and Wolves held on for the three points and really to complete the double over Villa um, for the season. The last 10 minutes in the home match um, earlier in the season obviously still lives rent-free in all Villa fans' heads and ultimately 
accelerated the decline of, of you know, which led then to, to Dean Smith's sacking. But to what extent do, do you think that collapse still affects the players? And uh, given what we saw yesterday, do you think it was it was it was on their minds at all? Yeah, this is where I, I need to doff a, a, a metaphorical cap to you, Andy, because after that Wolves home game, you you came on the pod and you said it's the kind of the kind of result that can stick in players players' heads and it can it can really become you know a weight around their neck. And at the time, I was like, no, it's just a blip, nothing's wrong. Kind of the good ship Dino will see us right. And sure enough, here we are in a reverse fixture still seeing the psychological damage from it. I think we saw how quickly the players' confidence crumbled and and how a good start turned into a disastrous one after, you know, a couple of minutes. And I think it's it's hard to pinpoint what psychologically affects a team or or comes to define a team, but but it's hard to look past that Wolves collapse. And, And these players clearly aren't mentally strong enough this season and I think that has a, a big, big part to play and, and fair play to you, Andy, spotting it at the time because I did not think that we'd still be reliving that this many months later and, and it's clearly impacting this team. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about this 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 later, but maybe I'll just um, talk about it now anyway because I think it it, it is part of the, the whole, the, the same thing almost. The player's mentality, I don't think is being helped not only by that late collapse against uh, Wolves in the first game, but I would say more so by their manager digging them out in the press every week. Last time out against Arsenal, Gerard said something, um, something approximating that, uh, well, actually the players, their problem is that they just don't believe in what he's trying to do. And that's why we lost against Arsenal. And then Gerard comes out again after this Wolves defeat a defeat which I think really rests firmly with him and his his selection and not only his selection but also again I'll repeat his failure to change the selection that wasn't working until deep into the uh the, the 70 minutes when when Buendia eventually came on and Douglas Louise and all of a sudden we looked decent so after the Wolves game he says something along the lines of oh the buck stops with me which you think, okay, fair enough. But then he kind of ruins that statement by adding to it, well, you know, the players in the building, they 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 either will do what we're trying to do or will get players in who can do what we're trying to do. So it's like every, every week now or after every game, he's digging out the players. And I think that affects confidence. I think that affects the, 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 definitely the harmony in the squad. And that might be fine. That kind of Roy Keane style hard man you know ship up or shape out will work for some players some 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 people in life respond to the carrot some people respond to the stick but the trouble is most of our squad were recruited for a carrot manager dean smith was a lover not a fighter he was an arm around the shoulder <laughs> you know he would wine and dine you know metaphorically you know he's buying ollie watkins goldfish making sure he's settled in and 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 i'm i'm i'm, I'm being completely serious <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely different thing. I think Golly Watkins under Dean Smith scores at least one of those one-on-ones because I think he felt loved. And the goldfish and all that other stuff, it might seem like a, 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 a trite and a cliche, but the personal relationships and personal interactions matter to people. It makes a difference how you perform in your job when you feel loved and appreciated versus, versus when you feel like someone's trying to kick you out the door. So... My feeling is that this attitude of Gerard has deeper consequences. And I think we're seeing that with shaky players. I think we're seeing that with 
players who are nervous and players who are missing chances like Watkins did and players who are making uh, individual errors, as he coins the phrase. I don't think that he is creating an atmosphere for these players to succeed. I think that it's a little bit poisonous for them. And I don't think that this group of players is cut out for it. But I, I, I think that other, other, other team, other players that he brings in might be more responsive to that kind of thing. But I'm not sure that the lads that we have uh, are really ready for this kind of Roy Keane, 90s style boot room stuff. I'm, just to put the other side of that, you know, I, I accept what you're saying. Obviously, Dean Smith had a, an awful lot of success like that, didn't he? And the, a lot of the players that he brought in have obviously improved. And, you know, he gave, you know, a great many number of those that's that squad the opportunity to play in the Premier League by getting Villa promoted at the first attempt and then obviously signing signing some of those players from the championship and, and elsewhere. You know, and they felt so loved and so warm towards him that they completely down tools on him, conceded three goals in the last ten minutes against Wolves and went on five five game losing streak and the manager got sacked. You know, so you know, there are two ways of looking at it. You know, you molly coddle players too much, you know, and they and it all falls apart. When it all falls apart, suddenly they're hiding behind the manager because the manager will look after us. Well, naturally, no. You know, I actually think it's got to be a two-way thing, you know, and it's hard to get the balance. And I think what the mistake Gerard is making is he's, he, there's some mixed messages, and I agree with what you say, Craig. One minute he's saying it's on him, and the next minute he's saying... Well, we we obviously just need to get rid of this lot and get in players that, that you know that can. But 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 personally, in his own mind, he might be thinking that he might be thinking, do you know what? I'm not letting these players do to me what they did to to Dean Smith, who gave them everything. You know, it's it's he's he's got to be really careful. He's got to be harsh with them. You know, they're not his players at the end of the day either. He you know he's he can he can kind of say what he likes. You know, but but he is. There are certain players that are responding to him. We've mentioned Matty Cash, who has who has improved probably fifty percent this season. You know, uh, since Gerard came in. You know, we talked about Nakamba. Obviously, Jacob Ramsey has come on since under Gerard as well. Although he he probably needs a break, as as I know you you certainly think so, Craig. But you know, it works both ways. You know, and the you know the the, the previous manager was absolutely there, there for those players, and he. He gave them a, a great environment and they let him down. He did. They let him down. They down tools on him. Yeah, and they did. They did. I'm I don't disagree with I don't I, I think there is some mitigation there. Dean Smith never had a fully fit squad to choose from this season. He never had Troyore, he never had Bailey, he never had uh, Buendia and Ings, and, and even Watkins was missing for the beginning part of the season. He never had the opportunity, Dean Smith, to get all of his best players on the field. Um, so there is some mitigation, but absolutely, Villa lost five games in a row, and um, and and Dean Smith got sacked. But I'll also say Villa have now lost three games in a row with Tottenham up next. So uh, and Leicester, yeah. <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's see how that goes, shall we? The Roy Keane comparison is actually quite an interesting one because you often get this, don't you, with managers who were great players will dig their players out quite readily because they just can't understand why a player doesn't do the things that they used to do or take for granted on the pitch. And I think we've seen that issue with Conte uh, at Tottenham. Conte was a great player. He's been digging his players out because they don't do what he likes. And conversely, often some of the most successful managers weren't great players. And so don't have that same kind of issue that that comes in. And I just wonder if it's a similar thing with Gerard. Is he still a young coach? He's still learning his trade. 
it must be hard for him to to look at his midfield, to look at John McGinn and and tell him, or actually wonder why John McGinn slipped at a crucial moment. He could teach him that all day long, but it must be hard for him to look at these players sometimes and be like, well, why aren't you as good as me? Why aren't you doing the things that I'd naturally do on a pitch for as a as a midfielder a few years ago? And I think you, you can go back and your Roy Keynes, your even Patrick Vieira to a degree and, and, and all of that lot, top players don't necessarily make great managers because there is that that thing they don't know how to nurture talent in the same way that, that a true man manager yeah. does. But the, the the other side of that is that obviously managers aren't given that long, and you know Gerard has got to get this right really quick, hasn't he? Otherwise, yeah. essentially all his all his dreams <laughs> about managing Anfield are over. If he if he can't if he can't do it at Villa with the resources that he has, it's not like you know he hasn't taken over Norwich like Dean Smith has. You know, rock bottom and and going nowhere. He's he's taken over a a club that are meant to be on the up and can attract partly because of him, but can attract players like Coutinho and 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 Dinia. If he's if you know he's he's got to get this right, otherwise he's 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 in he's he's in Frank Lampard territory, isn't he? Well, yeah. You look at how uh, Lampard's uh, stock has you know is, is fallen like a fallen like a stone. And um, just just two points on Gerard. I think that he is familiar with with limited players. I mean, he did line up in a Champions League final alongside Igor Biscan. I just wanted to make a quick point about uh, about. Uh, I know we missed it, but I I I, I need to mention it because I forgot to say it earlier. Luca Dean going off with his uh, with his stomach issue. Can you only imagine? The stick that Matt Cat Matt Target, sorry, would have got if he had gone off five minutes into a game with a with a with a stomach with a stomach complaint. Can you imagine the vitriol? Just saying. No, just saying. You, no, you are right, and and actually, he he did go off um, at Wolves. Was it two seasons ago? After Adama Traore had absolutely rang in, ran in ragged for twenty minutes, <laughs> he suddenly he suddenly sustained sustained a, a mysterious head injury and, and 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 had to leave the field. And I think it was dizziness, but I don't think it was necessarily um, as a result of impact. Um, but it was it, it, absolutely, and he got he got roundly criticised for that. And I think he, that was a, a, a turning point for him because he actually went away. I think then, and, and really worked hard on his defensive game because he was he was nowhere near it that day. Question for you all, it's on, on the tip of all the listeners' tongues. <laughs> do you still think Ashley Young, do you still contend Ashley Young's a better left-back than Matt Target? He's a better reserve left-back. I don't, I, I don't think you can have a player like Matt Target as a, as, a, as a reserve at this level, to be honest. That was a good answer, wasn't it? It's that was very, like a politician. Very diplomatic. We want to put you in the houses of houses of parliament, I, there, Andy. With that, yeah, kind of no, answer. I think that was smooth. I, I think that was he, Ashley Young and Okay is 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 obviously made a mistake on on Saturday, but we're we're certainly not blaming. I wouldn't be blaming Ashley Young for the defeat on Saturday. He's for me, he's a, he's, he's he's still a solid pro. He's still got great quality, and and I think you know he he he, he does a job. You wouldn't want him. You know, having a having a run of games, but anyone that listens to me this season knows that I didn't want Matt Target having a run of games either. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm you know I'm ple- look I'm, I'm I'm delighted for Matt Target. You know he's a, he's up at Newcastle. They they lost five one yesterday. I saw him. <laughs> I think I saw him. I saw him touch the ball 
a couple of times, and uh, yeah, he, he he sort of half got involved with a fight, I think, and um, you know, but he's. I wouldn't speak too soon. We've got we've got Tottenham next. No, uh, I, know, Andy. I know, yeah, yeah. But the one thing I will say about Ashley Young is, if he got a dicky belly, I reckon he'd have limited it out on the sidelines rather than going <laughs> off. I mean, there's, I know there's HD cameras and everything, and he'd live on as a gift forevermore with Luca Dean. But just just squeeze it out the leg and and keep going. Do a Gary Lineker. You're paid to do this. Yeah. How would you describe that motion? What what is that movement where you're kind of dragging your buttocks across the floor? <laughs> would you would, like would we call that? A, would we call that a scoot? Yeah. I mean, what what's that known dogs, as? Dogs do it, don't they? They scoot. A, a, a yeah. Scoot. Yeah. All right. So, with the it feels like it fits a bit better. <laughs> Listener, you, you could tweet us at uh, Villa Lamp with your uh, if you, if you don't know the clip, I want to say it's Italia ninety. Um, Gary Lineker caught short on a football pitch with uh, he'd obviously eaten some uh, some some local food, some local Italian cuisine, which didn't agree with him. Got caught short on the on the field, and he was doing a scoot, is what I would call it. But maybe you have a different interpretation, listener. <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's, it's always worth a look. And he, Gary Lineker also loves it when you tweet him about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on, we're going to move on to a, to obviously a bit of news. And one thing you know that is 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 certain and has been an issue for now four transfer windows. It feels like longer. Is the need for a defensive midfielder uh, in the team, and several have been linked. But other than Morgan Sanson. Villa recruit the Villa recruitment team have drawn a blank so far in this area. Um, reports at the weekend in the in the Telegraph um, by the usually uh, pinpoint John Percy um, have suggested that Gerard now wants to rebuild his midfield and add possibly two more um, holding midfielders with Calvin Phillips and Yves Basuma, top of the wanted list, with Douglas Louise apparently set to leave the club. You know what do you make of of these links first of all, and and are these the the level of player that we realistically should be looking at in terms of uh, making a difference to how Gerard wants to set up, Craig? Oh well, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that that the the the, the Calvin Phillips and the the, the Eve Basuma, I think. I've I've said already. Calvin Phillips is is a textbook of, of everything that you'd want in a defensive midfielder. Um, a wonderful range of passing, wonderful engine on him. My 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 question mark is nothing to do. It seems like he's got a great head on his shoulders, good mentality, humble lad. All the all everything you'd want in the, in the dressing room. Um, my issue with Calvin Phillips is not one of uh, of his footballing ability. It's one of his potential availability. A long term injury every single season, including this one makes me concerned about his durability. Basuma, again, it's a little bit, uh, um, some some other stuff around with Basuma, but it just seems like too obvious. I mean, what the hell are we paying Langer for? What the hell are we paying McKenzie for? We need to try and find someone who is going to be, going to be able to do that job without us breaking the bank. Norgard is a great example at Brentford. Brentford, obviously, we know, as I've spoken about, second bit of Brentford love. Brentford, the best-run club in England. Brentford went and bought Norgard from Fiorentina for £2.8 million. And he's now posting some of the best stats in the Premier League in defensive midfield. £2.8 million. Now, Brentford do have a very good scouting system, but this is not an example of that. Norgard is a, a Danish, full Danish international playing for Fiorentina in Serie A. 
they have not unearthed him from the the Scandinavian fourth division somewhere from or some kind of youth team in 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 in, in Timbuktu. This is a full European international playing in Serie A for Fiorentina. So it's not like these players aren't out there. So can Aston Villa, rather than just going the obvious route, problems with Calvin Phillips isn't is is injury record and price. Problem with with is Basuna, some of the off the field stuff and also price. Is it not possible that we can find someone just as good uh, that uh, that that isn't going to cost this kind of money? I mean, I don't know. Am I just being? Am I? Is is this too good to be? And and it also probably feeds into my paranoia based on your earlier point, Andy. When we seem to go for these obvious Danny Ings type players who is just guaranteed to work, it just falls apart. Yeah, I think you know, would Calvin Phillips improve his Villa team? Yeah. Would Eve Basuma improve his Villa team? Yeah. Do we need both of them? Probably not. I mean, unless we're having a major change in formation and, and either one of those isn't going to be happy on the bench. But as Craig mentioned, and, and we've actually touched on a few times in this pod, the solution to Villa's problem is not just another player. It's not, you know, it's very easy and, and you know, it's all over Villa Twitter. We all get caught up with it. As you look at the team, you're like, the solution is we don't have a defence midfielder or we don't have this particular player. Once we get that player, everything will click and we'll, we'll purr like a finely tuned engine and everything will be fine just doesn't work like that. Sometimes a player's transformational, but more often than not, you need to get a lot of little things right to add up and make a big difference. So, you know, signing a better player who can play defensive midfield is brilliant and I'm all for it. But if we don't fix the wider issues at the club that are clearly stopping talented players from playing to their best abilities and, and we don't strike upon a system that gets the best out of our best players and and a training regimen that makes players not get injured all the time and a manager who doesn't call players out in the press. We, we need to change a lot of little things that aren't an Eve Basuma or a Calvin Phillips to in order to take Villa to the next level. And, you know, we've already shown it with Nakamba, a player who was a bit of a joke amongst Villa fans, suddenly is now the answer to all our problems when he's back from fitness because he played a few good games under, under Stephen Gerrard. It's... It's very exciting to look at players and look at quick wins. We do it in every aspect of life. It's, you know, you buy this hair gel, you'll suddenly be the most attractive man on the planet or this jumper and you're the best dressed man or this car and your life is infinitely better. And sadly, the truth is there's a lot of hard work and a lot of little fixes that need to happen. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to get carried away when we sign them and and boldly claim on this podcast we'll finish top four or something because that's what we do as fans. But I do... I do think it's time to maybe address our entire transfer system. And, and as Craig says, let's look at a, a Brentford. Let's look at a Wolves. Let's look at how we can take not so good players and make them work as part of a whole rather than try and get... We're, we're like a, a crap Galacticos. We just keep buying good players and trying to put them in the team and hope they'll play well and, and just getting the same results. We need we need a bit more team building, a little bit less fantasy football shopping. Yeah, I think as well the, 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 the fact that we're going to be... Steven Gerrard is obviously going to have a full pre-season now as well. You know, managers talk about this a lot and it's often used as an excuse when they don't do well if they haven't had it, but I think I think, you know, it's fair to to allow a manager to afford them the opportunity to to at least have that. If you've bought bought a manager like Steven Gerrard in, of course we got we got to judge him on 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 what we see, but you also have to have the caveat that, you know, he needs the opportunity to 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 drill properly the, the the game plan that he wants in pre-season and and also to bring in some players that he feels will make it will make it work then if it doesn't work you kind of start to think well 
you know what, what what's going on then where's you know where's the where's the improvement so i think we have to we have to kind of bear all that in mind don't we i would be incredibly nervous if we signed one or both of these players Basuma or Phillips because they are going to cost an awful lot even though Basuma is probably going to be going into his the last uh, year of his contract I think you know Brighton aren't going to let him go to Villa on the cheap and or anywhere on the cheap in, in fairness so and you know I would say the chances of getting Phillips out of Leeds are are very very slim um, unless we are just willing to 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 absolutely gazump everyone everyone else who's interested because there will there will be Europe you know clubs who are in Europe looking at this this player because he's he's a top England player so you know it's it's a couple of links I think which obviously Basuma has been linked for for you know a good a good year eighteen months or so so that's that's fairly reasonable but I'm not sure about Calvin Phillips I think I think that's probably a bit pie in the sky really so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too worried but he's the one I'd like I suppose out of, mm-hmm. out of all of them because again you know like you say you, you kind of you kind of know what you're getting or you hope you do at least um and I think he's a, he's an excellent player and he's still got he's still got potential in him as well if he can stay fit and I, I I don't know what you think you guys think but I'm I'm a little bit concerned about the about the defense uh, I know we've <laughs> we're obviously going to be because of the the level of goals we're conceding, but it's kind of assumed that once the defence have a proper shield, that they'll be much better. But you know, there's a lot of you know real car crash defending going on back there, and and we know about we obviously know about um, the, the 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 tendency for for Tyra Mings to make an error. What do you think about the the the, the defence? Do you think do you think that's an area of of, of concern as well? I think that um, Sean Dyche has made some very, very average defenders look like world beaters. Michael C. Keane, Michael, by giving them proper protection and making sure that they're not asked to do things outside of their comfort zone. I think whoever gets Tarkovsky as well on a free at the end of the season is going to find out that they've they've, they've got themselves got themselves a nail. It's going to be a used car filled with sawdust to make it tick along <laughs> to the end of the end of the street. Same as Michael Keane is. If you give players like Mings and and Konza and and I'll leave Chambers out because we don't know yet. But when Mings and Konza are protected properly, as we saw with Dean Smith, not only in Project Restart but also during last season where we had the record equaling clean sheet record. Oh, I just said record twice there. You know what I mean? (laughs) When they were protected properly by the system, they are excellent, excellent defenders. When they are left to fend for themselves in this Gerard Ramsey's playing right back, McGinn's at left back, or sorry, McGinn's right back, Ramsey's left back, or the midfielders have left Douglas Ruiz on his own. He's trying to cover the whole pitch. In this Gerrard system, you might need Franco Baresi, Paolo Maldini, Virgil van Dijk. Uh, you might need a kind of clone of all those people to, to to make this system work. But with no protection or with little protection, you may need different defenders. We've already, and that might be again what Gerard needs to do. And again, I support Gerard's right to tear it all up and start again if that's what he chooses to do. But um, what I will say is, with the right protection, this this defensive unit, even with Matt Target in it rather than Luca Dean, has already demonstrated 
beyond a doubt at Premier League level that they can keep it tight and they can be as mean as anyone else. I mean, how many games did we win last last year? Just one nil under Dean Smith. Um, we they've they've proven that they can do it at this level. Martinez as well has proven he can do it at this level. So um, it's just really about whether they get the protection or not. And in Gerard's systems thus far, from what we've seen, other than the first couple of games in the very very beginning. It looks like they get very little protection um, from the Gerard system, so we may need different personnel. Yeah, I'd say just to back up Craig's point, uh, if you look at the disciplinary records of both Concer and Mings, I think Mings is on eight yellow cards now, maybe nine. Concer has been sent off twice, vying to become, I think, only the second player in Premier League history to be sent off three times in a season, and and that doesn't speak to bad players to me. That speaks to players who are being overrun at the back and are having to haul people down or make last ditch challenges. And and yeah, I think a bit of protection and those guys are sound again. Though I would probably. Give Conser a bit of a rest. He's still young. He's played a lot of football and there's no harm giving Chambers a run till the end of the season just to, to take the weight off him. I think he's looked a bit bit leggy at times. Yeah, I think that's just something I, I I was thinking really and, you know, whether whether that is an area that we are we are looking at and whether decisions will be made. I think obviously decision, a decision may be made on McGinn, particularly if there's interest in him. But um, I wonder about Mings as well, you know, whether... And whether he's had enough, you know, you know, getting getting pelters every week, you know, when he's you know he's putting everything into the cause, can't be can't be much fun really. So whether he he would fancy a new challenge at this point, but but we'll see really. And um, but we'll move on to um, to the the the, the next uh, the next game, which is uh, another tricky test for Villa as as they they face top four chasing Tottenham, uh, who I mentioned beat Newcastle five one uh, on Sunday. Um, and they they they're coming they're on their way to Villa Park this Saturday evening for the the tea time kickoff. Um, Villa lost two one in North London earlier in the season, um, and Spurs have since enjoyed a, a steady improvement after bringing in Antonio Conte to replace Nuno Espirito Santo. There will be some some selection issues for Gerrard, and hopefully, uh, Dina will be back to resume as Callum Chambers, Danny Ings, and the returning marvelous Nakamba. Will all make a good case for a starting spot. Um, as ever with Spurs, they will probably give you a chance, but they can be absolutely ruthless on their day. Also, so how would you like to see us approach this one? And 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 could this be an opportunity, maybe for Gerard to take his first top six scalp? I'd like to see us approach this by Lucadinia's stomach bug going throughout the team and us having to cancel the match for a few weeks so that we can get get our stuff together because the way Spurs are playing, I think they could rip through us in this game. It's um, I do not have good feelings about this. The thought of Harry Kane dropping off our, our defensive line and just waddling around in that huge gap between midfield and defence that we have, I think is scary. So... I do not have good feelings about this mate match. I think we might be be royally spanked, and and I think if if we're going to get anything out of it, Gerard needs to needs to play a lot more pragmatically, and that probably means dropping young Jacob Ramsey and and playing Samson, bringing Louise back, telling the fullbacks to tuck in, or maybe dropping one of them for for a slightly more defensive player. But yeah, I don't. Whatever we do, I do not have particularly good feelings about this one. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. I don't have anything uh, pleasant to say. Um, I think this could be an absolute hiding. If we play anything like the fashion that we did against Wolves, it certainly will be a hiding because uh, Tottenham have some of the best forward players in the league and Wolves have some of the, well, not best forward players in the league, shall we say? 
so um, so that is really going to be an interesting thing to see. What I would be interested to to what I would probably like on my point of view is I'd like it if we we park the bus, shut up shop. I would drop Coutinho because he's been really poor for three weeks. He won't be dropped, so it doesn't matter, but I would drop him. I would probably bring in both Douglas Louise and Marvellous if available. If not, I would bring in Douglas Louise and Callum Chambers just to really stop Harry Kane and Son um, from getting, you know, stop stopping Harry Kane from getting on the ball in that area and just penetrating us with those uh, wonderful raking through balls that he's playing. And um, what I would try and do is keep it keep it nil nil until the last twenty minutes. Gerard doesn't know how to make a sub before seventy minutes anyway, so this will suit him down to the ground. Then bring on Coutinho, bring on Ings, open it up a bit, and uh, have a last twenty minute shootout. Coutinho versus uh, Kane. Let's see if we can we can beat you. But I, I'm I'm not I'm not confident um, that he's going to do that. I think he's going to carry on doing what he wants to do. And then I think we're going to take a beating and he's going to come out and tell us how bad all the players are and how he needs a a, a, a a fortune to spend in the summer to even make us competitive, which is absolute BS as well, because we've already beaten Tottenham. We've beaten Chelsea. We've beaten Liverpool 7-2 with these players. So the idea that we can't beat them without spending 100 million, 120 million on Phillips and Pazuma is is just nonsense. Well, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I kind of agree. I think I think we've got to go back to basics, haven't we? I think we've got to we've got to sort of um, throw everything at the de- at a, to make sure our defence is solid, and you know that that probably does involve bringing the camber in. Although I think he played for the under twenty threes the other night, and they got a they got a spanking. Can't can't remember who they were playing now, but you know, I know it's a different thing. But but I d- certainly Douglas Louise has to come back in, and uh, yeah, I'll be I'd be looking at you know playing playing um, very deep, you know, letting them have the ball because they don't they don't really like that. They like to uh, to spring forward. I think uh, Tottenham they certainly play with a a very sort of fast counter attacking style. So so maybe sort of sit off them a bit. But you know, I think. Uh, I'd I'd be playing. Uh, I like the idea of the four four two in a way, you know, but but with a a sort of defensive block of 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 midfielders rather than wingers as such. Sort of four four midfielders across the across the middle a little bit a little bit like Pulis's uh, Stoke, <laughs> you know, and just 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 really kind of go back to basics and have the have Coutinho up front with uh, with Danny Ings and and see how you get on, you know, but. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll we'll see we'll see. I think uh, I can't see him changing changing too much, um, but I'd certainly I'd certainly be be introducing Chambers, like you say. I think concert concert could do with a, a bit of a rest, and um, Chambers had there was no real real reason to 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 leave Chambers out in the first place. So um, I'd be bringing him back in, and obviously Danny Ings um, up front, and see see how we get on. But do you want to give us a prediction, guys, Dan? Three uh, 0 Spurs. Four one Spurs, oh, guys. I'm going to this game. This <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two two. I always go positive, don't I? I always go positive. <laughs> never I mean, predict you, us to lose. You you never know. You never know. Villa have with Coutinho in front of Villa Park. There has been some magic moments. It could all come together and be something different. But the the form Villa are in, the form Tottenham are in. I I can't 
see anything other than a heavy defeat. But I hope that I am wrong, Andy, and you are right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But no, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks again for joining uh, joining me and uh, another another great chat, another long one, um, plenty covered. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you've got this far, obviously go over and, and have a look at the website andregaslitlamp.com. Look out for any hopefully some changes um in the not too distant future maybe and um uh follow us on all the all the social media sites and if you head into the game on saturday have a great day um cheer the boys on and uh, we'll be back next week to to look back on it and i think we've got no have we got a game the week after i can't can't remember was it it was meant to be liverpool wasn't it um it's been uh, been postponed um i think those games have also been rearranged now so so have a look at the fixture list Um, But we'll be back next week to look back at this. So in the meantime, take care, stay safe and up the villa.